Hello and welcome back to 100% Real with Ruby. Today I have Miss Amy on my show and something I absolutely love about Amy and that I've seen in the way that she approaches her messaging and the way she does things herself is that she went through the same process of chasing this forever deficit. Like as soon as you go into a building phase, short after, you're going straight back into a deficit phase. But the thing is, the less chance you give yourself for growth, not only physically, but mentally, mental, like the mental fatigue life in itself, the more that you become so zoomed in that everything else loses meaning and you actually become a lesser version of yourself without realizing. So with that, I think that's the perfect introduction for you, for you to expand upon that and why this whole messaging is so important for women, especially to hear. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on Ruby. So man, (laughs) I could talk for hours on this topic. So as, as you've, as you've pointed out, this was really my foray into becoming a coach and definitely what I'm doing now, but just to backtrack and go through my story. So I think I became quite body conscious around the 14, 15 year old mark. And that's when, to be honest with you, looking back, I was, I was lean. I was really small human. Right. But for whatever reason, my perception of myself was that I was enormous and this was a problem. Right. So obviously very skewed perception for multiple reasons. Yeah. And so from that point, about 14 to 15, up until almost 30, so it was a really, really long time, my whole focus was, like you say, trying to get smaller, trying to be as small as I possibly could, because I believed that if I got to that place, the heavens would open up, there'd be a fanfare, a celebration, my life would be perfect, I would be loved and adored by everyone. (laughs) And when I put my mind to something, I'm going to achieve it. (laughs) And there was a, there was a time where I was at a party and I was speaking to someone who is around my height and much smaller than me. And for whatever reason, it was so strange, but she mentioned what she weighed. I don't know how this came up. I can't remember, but there was this number associated with, which I won't say, but it got stuck in my head. And I was like, you know what? she's exactly what I want to be. She looks happy. Everyone likes her. She's popular, blah, 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 blah. This number is what I need to achieve. So, you know, at this time I was going to uni. I was like working as a photocopy girl at a law firm. I was studying law. I wanted to be a lawyer. I have lots of things to have consumed myself with that were really important. And yet my number one concern was trying to be smaller And I just think back at like the amount of time and effort that I put to trying to figure out different diets, different ways of training or whatever to get to this number. When I was like, you know, I was studying, I, um, I even did this in the first few years of being a lawyer. Like this was my focus. It was huge. But anyway, to cut a long story short, I did a number of different crazy things. One of them I thought, well, maybe if I run a marathon, I'll get to this this scale weight that I wanted to be. I was like, surely after 26 weeks of training, I cross that finish line. I'm going to be perfectly happy. I'll be tiny. I remember I was a hopeless runner. I was really bad at running. Right. 
Um, I would dedicate about three or four hours to training on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, you know, just running around the lake on my own. <laughs> just, it's insane now I think about it. And I crossed the finish line of that marathon and I thought I never want to do this again. I got no joy <laughs> from it. Like now I look back, it was like, okay, it was a pretty amazing experience to complete a marathon. Like that's kind of cool. And, you know, the dedication involved. But when I look at the motivation for doing that, it was literally because I thought, well, I can do this. I'll, if I finish it, surely I'll be tiny and surely I'll be happy. That didn't work. Then I was like, you know what, what about bikini? So this was 2016 where bikini comps were really taking off on social media. Like it was a really big trend back then. Um, and I got caught in the bubble. Now I did, I had moved to weight training after running the marathon and I did really like it. I really liked it. But again, it was just another another avenue for me to try and get to this number. Now, the crazy thing is that this makes me laugh so much. I actually weighed that amount that that girl weighed on stage. I actually got to, it was the same number, which is like, yeah, it's kind of spooky, but it was the same number. And you know what? Like the prep in and of itself was, I had so much fun. It was fantastic. Yes, it was really, really challenging, but <laughs> my world wasn't perfect on that day. You know, I had some pretty bad like hormonal issues. I had some pretty bad mental health issues. My relationship was crumbling. It wasn't great at all, right? <laughs> um, I was very body obsessed. I was very food obsessed, very food focused. And I sort of woke up the next day and like, where was the fanfare? Where was my life falling into this amazing, you know, I thought I was going to have all these things. I thought I was going to be totally confident. Everyone was going to love me. It was going to be amazing. And I realized, fuck, it's not in a number. Like I'm not going to find it in a number, no matter how small I get. And so it took me quite a few months after that. I gained like 12 kilos in eight weeks after that. It was really, really hard. So what I thought was kind of rock bottom at the end of the comp, it just got worse and worse. Um, I tried to do things myself. It didn't work. Finally, I found my coach who's still my coach now, Jace. Um, we've been working together for ages. He's amazing. And he said to me, you're not dieting. You're not dieting for a minimum of six months. I don't care that you're not happy how you look. I don't care that you feel fluffy or fat or any of these other words. I don't care. You're not dieting. And we stopped dieting. I want to say something there because this is yeah. something that I come up with a lot as a bottleneck and that's, it is so hard for us coaches, really hard to tell you that you are not in a place to diet when you're not in a place to diet, because like you, we could easily just do what you want because it's your money, but it is so hard for us to say what needs to be said half of the time because it's not right for you right now. And you could easily pick up and take off to the next coach. Like we know that we're not trying to keep you for as long as possible to keep your money. That's not what we want. And it's actually extremely freaking hard for us to tell us you're not ready to diet when we know that's all you want, but something you were talking about, I don't want this to turn into me being a therapy ther therapist for you in asking the questions, but the key part in this is that it was all chasing a number. The method she used to get there, it didn't really matter. All she wanted was this number. And you cannot be happy at any end goal if you're not happy in the process and if you lose yourself in the process, which is kind of what she did. And you only did that one comp, right? Oh, I, I did too, but they were like two weeks apart. So basically it was one period, yeah. 
So you can either have that luck, if that's what you want to call it, that Amy did, and realize it straight away, or you can become someone kind of like me who you remember the good parts, you you get that stage adrenaline, all of that was really fun on stage, but then all you're chasing is that now and you're only remembering that, that good part of it and that's what a lot of people do with diets, I feel. They remember the good parts. They remember when they felt really good losing the weight. They remember those parts that they were chasing that weight loss and then that becomes, oh, I need to do another one of those. I need to do another one of those and that's what I got trapped into. But then it's just like you're still running away, <laughs> actually, for you when you were running the marathon. <laughs> you're still running away from the root cause because what is it that you were running away from? Like you were running away from a feeling of not feeling happy in your body. It's what are you actually avoiding? What feeling are you avoiding? There you go. That wasn't actually a therapy question now. I did it. <laughs> so, yeah, now you can continue. <laughs> It's so true because the external validation is a huge one. And I hear this from my clients a lot when they're in particular fat loss phases, they seem to be getting, let's just be real, more attention, um, more compliments. And it was definitely the same for me throughout the prep. Like I, I really enjoyed the training process of it. I really liked the challenge of it and I really liked the discipline aspect, but I've got to admit there is so much more attention on you when you are doing something like prepping for like a powerlifting comp or a or a bikini show or something. People get really fired up and inspired by that. So, it, but again, you're still seeking external validation. It's still something outside of yourself that we're going for. And you know, it's interesting how you said like you know, lucky that I I picked that up so soon. And it's like I didn't even really consider that, but I am so grateful. It. It, it didn't take me that long in the scheme of things, you know, yes. Okay. There was a 15 years of um, really not liking where I was at, but in terms of doing things that were perhaps quite dangerous in terms of health um, without really appreciating um, how seriously they need to be taken. Cause I don't think I, well, I didn't not, I don't think I didn't, um, you know, for me, and I have said this before, I don't want anyone else to have to hit rock bottom, but I think it was because for myself, like it was a really, really, really bad place um, that I'd got to. And I just sort of said to myself, like, there is no other option, but to stop, like, you need to stop doing this shit. It, it is really, really harmful for you. And I don't want to know what the, that continued path looks like for me. Um, but yeah, meeting my coach and, you know, so I met him on the cusp of that and he was my mentor in terms of work for probably six months by that time or maybe five months. So we hadn't known each other for that long, but I just knew there was something in me that knew that I needed to do something different. I had to pursue something different, continually diet and continually trying to restrict my intake was just not not the answer and I think because it was culminated with you know what being on stage feels like it's the ecstasy is is unreal like it's unreal the feeling right it's crazy and it's like I think having that huge up and huge down was something that really showed me like you can't do this anymore um, so yeah, I, I really did put my full trust in him and it, it wasn't fun that whole six months. I must admit, I didn't like the way I looked. I was really unhappy in the way I looked, but at the same time, I really love training. 
I actually did really start to love the feeling of building muscle, getting strong and focusing on my training program and the wins in my training program. That was a huge part of it for me, consistently tracking my lifts, um, perfecting my technique and focusing on creating and building. And my, my slogan for the coaching that I do with my women is called building bodies we love. And it's really important to me because building is what changed my life. That's, that's, that's funny. Cause that's what I say as well. It's like, you need to build your dream body. You can't shrink your way to it. I wrote so many notes from that. So it's uh, <laughs> like, like Amy said, it's the feeling of getting strong. You need to, I said it before you said building. I'm like, you need to feel the aspects of building that vision that you want to become building that body you want to become, because the more that you subtract that's when you become an empty shell. And it's my analogy I use all the time because if you're just chasing external outcomes and leave everything else behind, you become a shell and it becomes really hard to maintain anything, to find joy in anything. And something Aaron says, Aaron Scaffy, just because you can die, just because you can get lean doesn't mean you need to freaking go on stage because that high, that the, the eating, like the disordered eating that comes with it, I, I had a client that I still, that I was talking about in my stories for the first time ever. She fit a donut into her plan. She still asked me about it and asked if I could check in my fitness pal. I checked it. And the question I asked her was, okay, but I want you to visualize eating that donut. What happens after it, what happens before it, have it with something and actually visualize it. Like enjoy that moment. Like you need to like, it is so hard to detach from all of these different things that you feel and then start to feel not good enough and become so body obsessed when that has been all you've become. And the very first thing you said at the spot, the start of the podcast is when I put to my mind to something, I can achieve it. You and I are twins in that because that was me. I knew that I could not compete that at the end of the year, but I put my mind to it. I said, I was going to do it. I let social media know. I'm doing it regardless of what happens, how shit I feel, how bad my body is right now. I'm doing it because I said it. So I did it. And then I did it again. And then again, and then again. And then I got to the point where I got a blood test with zero testosterone. <laughs> so it was, it was like that, that like your body, your body remembers, your body gets the trauma, your body gets all that backlash and thinking that progress isn't being made because you're not in a fatless phase is something you said that I feel you need to ramp on about more because the external validation we get, it can either come in terms of people start to judge us because we're trying to change our bodies or they start to compliment us. And then that becomes an external validation. But it's also the fact that external validation we place on ourselves with these number goals with these timelines, which are freaking ridiculous, but everybody needs to zoom out from just having one means of progress, but people don't do that. They don't really know the meaning of progress. Yeah. It's so interesting. And this is something I think about a lot, right? And I, I don't ever want to be in this situation where I feel like a victim. And and this is a really interesting topic to talk about, right? And I understand that the way we are here in Western culture is what I know. So I'll speak of is heavily body focused. 
heavily being for women. Well, I think even for men now, it's becoming more and more of a, a pressure situation to, to stay lean year round or to be lean. And we significantly value people who are lean. It is the way it is. Like, I don't, I, I don't know why it's happened, but um, we, it's, it just seems to be getting even more and more with social media who are getting the clicks, what sort of people are getting the clicks. And, you know, a lot of this is Photoshop. It's not even real. A lot of it's Photoshop, a lot of it's surgery, all those sorts of things. But it just seems we've got ourselves as a collective in a position where we're significantly valuing looking a certain way. And it really doesn't matter the cost, whether it's health, financial, mental, whatever, it doesn't matter. We don't care. We just want to see an image, right? And that's what's getting all of the attention. We all see this. It's it's impacting all of us as much as we would you know, love to say it's not, it is impacting all of us and, and the way we see ourselves. So the woman who, who I work with is typically a perfectionist, a high achiever. So for her, it's like, well, I want to achieve the best in every aspect of my life. When it comes to my physique, this is the way I need to look, right? And it's, it's not understanding that for a lot of us who aren't getting paid to look a certain way or perhaps don't have genetics or don't have the financial resources for surgeries or whatever, it could be, number one, very unrealistic and also potentially very unhealthy. And there's nothing wrong with walking around looking however you look, being super healthy, like whatever that is for you. It's going to be different for absolutely everyone. And, you know, I believe health should be our number one. Both physical and mental health should be our number one. Whatever we look like with that, it's whatever we look like, right? But with the woman that I'm coaching, she's often thinking that the only the only outlet for me to be showing or showing myself that I'm worthy or making progress because progress is very important to her is when I'm in a fat loss phase. I think part of it is not just the social conditioning, but it's also the payoff and the feedback we get in a fat loss phase, which is much faster, especially like if you're you don't have problems um, being in deficit, like you're someone who gets shit done, you're going to get a result. And it's probably going to come within the first three weeks. And you're probably going to see it week after that. Like the centimeters typically, they're going to be coming down, right? Um, and this is for someone who like, they want to stick to the plan 100%. They're just going to get shit done. They're going to see results pretty damn quickly in a fat loss phase. So they're seeing they're, they're making progress. It's happening pretty quickly. They're getting a lot of external validation from other people and being held up basically on a pedestal by their, you know, people in their environment. And when it comes to, okay, well, we can't do this forever. You know, health, of course, you know, we get to a certain point, maybe they've achieved their goal. It's like, okay, so we're going to spend, I don't know, the next five years of maintenance, <laughs> the next six months of maintenance, next three years, you know, whatever. And what happens? You can, you can, did you want to jump in? There's two points that you said there that I want to emphasize, two really good ones. The first one touches on a story I put up recently of a girl I'm trying to detach from the scales because she started with me two weeks ago. And in those two weeks, she's lost so much weight already because obviously it's your starting point that does that. And this is why you should not compare to anyone. She's starting at a place that allows that. And if you're going to focus so much, like it's, this is why I hate it when people actually compare their progress photos. That's what I do. Don't do that. And stop. Like, I hate it when people do that. I hate it when you bring your progress photos and show me your week to weeks, your two weeks, your month. It's like, I don't care about that. Like zoom the fuck out. Because if you're putting all your worth of fail and success on a scale on the changes you make in the minute sense, 
What happens when they're not that drastic anymore? I'm, you're not worthy anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. That progress isn't being made. This is what I want you to focus in on. But then there were two things that you said, which is why I was like, okay, now I actually need to stop. You said two things. The timeline. It might be three years. It might be five months. It might be five years. It might be four months. There's no timeline because we aren't like, we don't know that shit. Like you, any coach that gives you a static isn't really a coach. They're not working based off your biofeedback. Like we can give you ideas, but we don't have that purple sparkly psychic ball. It's <laughs> a little emoji psychic ball. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't even know what they're called. Like magic ball orbs, something, but um yeah not sure (laughs) (laughs) but that like that whole progress thing that whole time loss thing time loss timeline thing like you need to be careful what you're focusing on because you can't let that become your identity because then what happens Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so yeah so we've got to have an end date to the deficit phasing we just can't keep going on forever you'll die if you actually did that so we've got to jump into a maintenance phase and then like you just said ruby what happens we're not going to get that instant gratification that we might in a fat loss phase doesn't mean you're failing absolutely not doesn't mean you're not making progress absolutely not i mean maintenance the point of maintenance is you're eating at a maintenance calorie intake the other thing i think that i figured out that a lot of the women that i work with don't like they fucking hate the word maintenance maintenance to them is mediocre and what i've started to do is name these phases performance phases because that helps them understand the intention. So what are we trying to do when we're eating at maintenance calories? For most people that, or most women that I coach, it's going to be some kind of performance goal or a hypertrophy goal, which like kind of goes hand in hand, right? Some some don't care so much about the hypertrophy, they're focused on strength, but it's a performance focus. It's not a mediocre focus, right? It's not maintenance of anything. We're not going into the gym trying to just maintain the weight we lifted. We're always trying to progress. I'm the same there, but I don't know why people talk about like why are you talking about life in terms of freaking surplusing and deficiting and maintenancing like why is it all talking about like when someone says are we in a maintenance right now are we in a fat loss phase right now are we in a surplus right now like I don't know like macros aren't that static can you tell me more about everything else that's going on in your life right now like are you actually doing things you need to do you can't just keep focusing on the outcome but maintenance is progress I don't know whether you've said it but it's something I always say maintenance is where most progress is made. Yeah. And it, I think it's really, really important too, like you were saying before, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot, is finding the joy in that process because we could be here for another 60 years. <laughs> like if, if we really want to, you know, look after our health and bone density and all those things, especially as women, it's really, really important. <laughs> it could be 60 years of training. Like, what the hell? This is a blip, right? So it's like, let's fall in love with the process. Let's find, like, how do you like to lift? What would be a really fun goal for you at the moment? Would it be, you know, getting to a hundred kilo deadlift? Would it be, I don't know, doing a photo shoot? Would it be just consistently training three times a week for six months because work is fucking flat out? And that would be a huge achievement, whatever it looks like, right? And, um, as I was saying before, the, the woman I coach, she really doesn't like the word maintenance because she thinks it's mediocre. So something that I've been working on with a lot of my women is number one, let's rename it. Let's just focus on performance. Let's give you like all of the lifestyle KPIs we need to tick off. So you're kicking ass in the gym and having fun and really enjoying it. So we can take the focus off the need to constantly get this instant gratification 
um, which, you know, like we've been talking about, really, it's just like this external validation that it's a never ending, the never ending hamster wheel. And when you think you've got to the end of it, it keeps going. You need more. <laughs> so let's get off. Let's get off. Start enjoying the process. And if we have any worthiness shit to deal with, like, let's see psychologists and figure that shit out. That, that worthiness part is actually really important. I'm actually, this is, this is the part that kind of I've realized that I'm, this is why I'm changing my messaging in a lot of my posts on Instagram lately as well and shifting and trying to shift it more towards one of performance, one of building muscle, because a lot of the women I work with are those that have that kind of baggage. And I'm finding myself as the therapist literally 24 seven, like there is, there's no consistency. Like I have about 25% of my girls that are actually consistent with what they do over time, because there is so much of this baggage already. And this is why it's not all about freaking weight loss and the scale. Like there is a reason you're not consistent regardless. Like you, you're not comfortable enough to sit in that, that like that discomfort of what you're feeling. So it gets really hard to have those conversations and try to meet you where you're at. If you're not even meeting yourself with where you're at, because we as coaches, good coaches meet you with where you're at, but we can't do that. If you're not even doing that with yourself, if you're not being realistic and the whole end date on the fatless phase, it's gotten like some, yes, exactly. You can't just do that or you'll die. But the thing is, it's got nothing to do with that in reality, because in real life, it's never going to end like that. It's going to end with you eating someone's arm off because you're so hungry or just being left, right and center and being so scattered that you are so scared because this was me guys. And Amy can probably relate too, but I was scared of not chasing that anymore of even getting like, I hated where I was at. I hated it, but I didn't want to risk making it worse because I didn't trust myself to go into a diet again because of that history I had of struggling for so long to lose my fat when I had the hormonal issues, everything else. I didn't trust myself to diet again. So I didn't trust myself to make it worse by eating more because then what will happen if I get fat? What will happen if I gain weight? Like these are real fears. And this is why your, <laughs> your quote, I wrote this one down, you're, you're feeding into the shitstorm you're wishing you weren't in. I loved that quote, so I wrote it because that's exactly what you're doing. It's obviously not working, so why are you still pushing it? it you're feeding the shitstorm. Like, you, you need to realise this is a long game, but you need to stay playing in the game. Yeah, dude, the two things there are like the self-trust element. It's it's enormous. It is absolutely enormous, and I think when we're doing this at a big part of it with the with the dieting is that we don't trust we don't you know we don't trust eating more we don't trust eating without a nap we don't trust eating anything off our plan whatever it might be and I'm not a therapist I think part of that is getting into the discomfort and doing it and just seeing that nothing fucking crazy is going to happen sorry I don't know if I can swear um nothing crazy is going to happen (laughs) Uh, and then and then the other one is 
we are so primed to try to avoid pain. We're so primed to try, try to avoid discomfort. Everything in our culture right now is about avoiding any pain, avoiding any discomfort. Don't upset anyone. Don't say anything that might hurt anyone's feelings. Like that is the worst thing you could possibly do, right? So again, it just seeps into the way we live, the way we think about ourselves. So it's like any little inconvenience, point of pain, discomfort, obstacle, it's like, oh my God, this can't be right. This mustn't be right for me. It mustn't be aligned if I feel uncomfortable, like discomfort. Like, what the fuck? Like, right? <laughs> you know, we have to apply stress to, you know, in some degree to grow, right? So I think just accepting that we're human. Human comes with ups and downs, ebbs and flows. Being human is going to come with discomfort. And so often too, when we're on the cusp of massive growth, it's going to feel really freaking uncomfortable because it's uncharted territory. I think just being okay and accepting that maybe I don't like the way I look. Yes, I've been trying to diet forever. That hasn't worked. Potentially, I have some hormonal health issues. I anticipate that this is going to feel uncomfortable. I'm not expecting it to be an easy ride. I'm going to expect myself to have obstacles, self-doubt, and all this other stuff. That's okay. And I trust that I'm going to do this anyway because it's really, really important and it's what I need to do right now. So yeah, I th- that is so yeah. powerful. This is already my favorite part. I actually, I actually wrote that timestamp so I can clip this. Okay, <laughs> I freaking love this part because I can relate this to a lot of my girls as well. It's but you're playing a victim and you're identifying with being human as though it's some, it's like some. Oh, here's my ticket. I'm a human. This is why I'm feeling this way. Like mm-hmm. you're freaking human. Cool, cool story, bro. Like stop being a victim to saying your hormones are this. You're in menopause. This. You're this, like you're human. You're allowed to feel like shit. Stop expecting perfection because that is why you feel like being human is some kind of, ooh, I can feel like this now. Well, no shit, like the you're going to have ups and downs. Stop trying to say I'm human to validate why you're feeling a certain way and just realize you're going to feel that way. <laughs> That's like my yeah. biggest conversation with so many of the, like you know, especially because you have some perfectionists, you, you mostly are perfectionists. And it's, you need to realize I'm so animated. I'm sorry. I have to say that now. I'm very animated. That's why I stand. <laughs> you need to, you need to be okay with getting uncomfortable because that's what stops people from pushing through the grit. Because if you're not okay with fucking up and realizing that the world isn't going to end, you're never going to take that move. And because I'm having this conversation with one of my leads at the moment, it was me as well because I used to hoard all of my food for night. I like to me, it was no biggie because I didn't have a lot of food to play with anyway. And I kind of do it now, but not in the same way. I don't hoard it all for night. My biggest meal starts at 1 PM and then I eat like every one and a half hours and they're big meals. Cause I have like a lot of calories to fit into that, but I function better with focus without a lot of food in the morning but I'm not saving it for freaking 7 PM and eating like all of my calories then, but, Oh, I can't actually start eating at lunch. I'm not going to feed my brain for the day. I'm not going to do this because I'm still going to overeat at night and I can't go over my calories. What happens if I go over my calories? I'm going to get fat. Like we are so afraid of this little fuck up of just like, you have to be okay with sometimes fucking up for quite a while before you trust yourself again. Because if you're starting anything new, you're going to come with those fuck-ups. And this is going to be the most powerful part because 
this is what a lot of people struggle with. They're too scared of getting further away from already being uncomfortable. And it's the same when people don't want to stop chasing fat loss when they realize what they're doing isn't even working anyway. And that's where I mentioned I was as well. It's I hated how I felt. I hated how much work I was putting into how much I hated my midsection. Are you a shorty like me? Yeah, dude, I'm 154. Yeah. Okay. I'm 156, 155. So that's that's kind of, that's why we hated our bodies, by the way, when we were younger, because I'm the same as you. That's when I got into my eating disorder. Because being short, being small, you hate your body a lot more because you feel everything. You feel like you need to be smaller. You feel like you need to shrink because you're short. And a lot of females are short and they feel that same thing where no, I just need to be a small human. I need to shrink my weight. I have no waist. That was me. That was Amy. But you create that story and it's not true because what proof do you have? You can recreate that story. But if you're so stuck into not wanting to even tempt or play with the idea of possibility, self-trust, where's that to go? Yeah, dude. And I think if anyone's listening and is like resonating, like that's, I'm there, I'm in that sort of, you know, darker place. It's, it's, you know, think of finding some support, whether it's, um, whether it is a coach, whether it's a psychologist or a mindset coach or a mentor or friends or family, think of some support and just take this as it is your sign to now jump, to take the leap, get some support. So you feel safe. It's really important that we do feel safe along this journey, but it's like, if you're resisting this, if this feels really uncomfortable for you, it's a real sign that this is what your next step needs to be at some point. And um, do make sure that you have the support around you. As, as we said before, understand that discomfort is part and parcel. It's highly likely that it's going to be a really uncomfortable journey. And for the perfectionist women that I coach, it's also important to understand that the way that you're going to move through this is to move through it. It starts with action and it could be absolutely terrifying, but it's going to be the necessary step that you need to take to get off this hamster wheel and stop feeling that pain of resistance. Because when we can accept something, we can release that pain of resistance and then we can actually start to take steps to help us move forward and make real progress. That's the thing that holds a lot of, because I, it's hard to say that there are no women that are, that aren't perfectionists. It's kind of like, I honestly, most, nearly all of mine are. It, the only, the ones that aren't anymore are the ones that have been working with me for years because we've worked through it. Like literally everyone comes to me with that perfectionist mindset and it only just clicks now as you were talking, you know what, they all are. The people that aren't are the ones that have been working with me for more than like two years because it's not something you just get rid of because it's a learnt behaviour. And I like that. You need to accept it to release it. And if you're still resisting it, you need to realise it's the time. And I will always say you need to, like you should have a coach, like get a coach, find a good coach. And I think I put it up as a blog as well because it was so important but when I did my reel on you know that I'm a princess too that that audio everything there lists what most people get from someone who writes a training program and a diet but it isn't a training like this is where but I have some ghost clients because they feel like they're failing because they can't stick to a training plan and a program but they're not willing to talk about the lifestyle and the stuff that's holding them back 
and then they don't want to talk to their husband and family about the journey they're on because what if they don't get it perfect? They keep stuffing up. They failed all these times before. I'm trying to have a conversation with you that has nothing to do with nutrition and training, but you won't have it with me. <laughs> like I'm willing to have this conversation with you, but you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Get a coach. Keep that coach for years and stop thinking that we're here to keep you for years. But you should stay with us for years because there is so much more to this than just fat loss. Coaches aren't here to just help you lose weight. If anything, that's like a fraction of it because that's not even the end goal. That's just a vehicle on the way to the end goal. And there's so much more to it. And the only reason I'm saying this now is because of the, the podcast I was on just before. And that's with investing in a coach. It's got nothing to do with, well, it kind of does like the whole financial privilege thing as well. But if you're listening to this, you have enough resource to get a coach or a mentor of some sort. Not everyone is $100 a week. Not everyone is $350 a week like my one is. <laughs> like there's like it's it's a massive investment for me and it's freaking freaky. Like I you think I wanted to like sign off on something that's almost the price of a mortgage. But the thing is what's the cost of inaction? Not just now, but in the future. It's not just what are you gaining, but what's the cost of inaction? Because the cost comes with a tax on your mental health, your relationships. And I don't know whether we hit record when we were talking about this, but when you're so focused on just fat loss, on just that one thing, you miss the real value of life. And I did too. And sometimes I still cry, like literally, because my, my dad's 74. My mom is almost 70. And I could even cry now in this conversation because I get so emotional over it. But I had a conversation, I had a conversation with my dad the other day and I was talking about how we don't have memories together. And then he brought up all the cruises we went on and I wasn't present. I was focused on food, focused on my body. I was prepping for shows. When I wasn't prepping for shows, I was still so hyper-focused on my body. I don't know whether you've ever went on a cruise, but they have buffets and then they have restaurants where you go out to eat and stuff. I'm like... I'm not in control of what I do at a restaurant, but I'm in control of what I do at a buffet. So I'm going to the buffet. And only once I remember going to the restaurant with them. I don't really remember much of the memories with them. And my brother used to live with us and I never had time with my parents because my brother, alcoholic, mental issues, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't live with us anymore. Police took him away. That's how bad it was. But because of the stress that he put my parents under they don't they're so senile they have like some dementia kind of thing and when you when you are senile like this is something you guys need to remember and now I'm making this about me but I want you to talk but something you got you guys need to remember is that when like even like alcoholics and all that kind of stuff like whatever this is it's always like whatever you hate and like about other people all that kind of stuff is a mirror of you. When you're an alcoholic, it exacerbates your own you, like you. It exacerbates you. When you're senile, it exacerbates you. So now everything has my mom completely OCD, nitpicking on, because I swear she's like bipolar or something, but she's like nitpicking on everything. It's like you don't really get to spend as much quality time with them when they're in those states. 
So question yourself, what is the cost of inaction? I want you to talk about that next. What is the cost of inaction? Because it's not financial. Like if you if you actually stop, I, I hate conversations on money when it comes to coaches and business coaches and marketing coaches. As soon as money comes into the equation, which I felt for once, as soon as money becomes the focus, you lost my interest because money is a vehicle on the way to what we want to get. If you're selling me outcomes in terms of getting better results, creating better conversations with clients, getting better buy-in and stopping them, keeping themselves stuck, you got me as a client because money is a small part of the big picture. There is so much more cost and so much more to gain outside of money on either end. Take that and roll with that. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, part of my online coaching includes a mindset pillar. And in the mindset pillar, we go through values. So taking a real deep dive into like what is actually important to us in our life? Like what are the real important things? And diving past the superficial and sorting that out. And in that, we also go through a, if I felt amazing, what would my life look and feel like? Because we're talking about feelings before, but so much of this is anchored in, well, I think I'll feel X when I achieve, you know, Y. So it's like, how do we want everything to feel? And then we're asking ourselves, is is our, is our daily actions aligning with the things that we value? And if you're finding your daily actions are all related to restricting negative self-talk, berating yourself, putting yourself down, you really, it's, it's a time to ask yourself the environment that you're creating in your own mind, where does that sit in terms of the values that you've um, illuminated for yourself? Because I guarantee you, they won't be matching up, right? If we're in this pit of despair with constantly trying to bring ourselves down and seeking this, you know, external thing as the it's going to change our to- our lives, it's hardly ever going to match up with what what you really value. And Ruby, you spoke about time with family as being really, really important. Like you're on your deathbed, looking back at the rest of your life, what what are you going to value? So many of us will say things like time present in our relationships and. I'm thinking of a client now who, um, look, she, she didn't have an eating disorder when she was working with me. Um, she came to me in a place though where she was really ready to start to build muscle and focus on getting into some, you know, surplus phases, some um, really focused surplus phases. But over the journey of working together, she's actually like, you know what, I don't want to track my food anymore. Um, and she's done that and that's been fantastic. And she's just realized, she didn't know this was going to happen, but she realized like, hey, I'm at, parties I'm at events and I'm having so much more fun because I'm not thinking about the food anymore and you know we didn't really expect that to happen it wasn't something we'd spoken about but it's something she found when she decided to take the focus off again you know of trying to be you know x weight or whatever and she's found a richer life and her check-ins every week for the last eight weeks with me have been my training is on fire I feel amazing life is really really good Um, so I think values is a really, really important one to come back to values and ask yourself like the environment you've created in your own mind and how you see yourself, like, where does that sit with your values? It'll show you if something needs to change. 
And then of course, in terms of making sure you're getting support, whatever that looks like, I think that's really important. But for myself, the time wasted, you know, I think it was like, yeah, you know, something like 15 or so years where I was focused on my physique and body and just getting really upset about it when, you know, I was at uni, um, I was a, a lawyer for most of those years, like doing some pretty kick-ass things. And I was, I was studying, I did like a, um, a graduate diploma in wellness. So I had things going on, but I wasn't fully able to dedicate all of my time and energy to that. Um, and even for me, I remember being at a restaurants was a really, you know, a really confronting thing for me because that felt like, well, this is one, my one chance to have everything. And so they would be very big affairs. You know, I'd have dessert in the car on the way home. I'd be so guilty. I would just feel like, oh my God, what have I done? And it was just, I, I have none of that now. It, it, I can't eat, like, it's really hard for me to even remember how that felt to an extent because it's so far removed from what I was, but I just think about, man, all the time and effort in my own head, I spent thinking like, how am I going to get to this number? How am I going to um, be smaller? How am I going to eat less today? Like, how am I going to sort my food out so I don't have to eat so much? When I could have been doing, you know, reading new things, expanding my horizons, meeting new people, trying out, you know, new experiences. Um, you know, I didn't do too bad at uni, but like even studying, you know, to potentially see if I could increase my chances in terms of the, you know, the different types of firms I could have got into. So it's just, and it, it really robs you of the joy of life when we're doing this. So yeah, I think if if any of this is resonating, it's like, look, get a support system, just take the leap. The The client that I was just talking about before, we always laugh because there's been a number of points where she's always brought to me that she wants to do something outside of her comfort zone, like, you know, not track anymore or those sorts of things. And she always, we always talk about it's, it's jumping off. It's jumping off. You've got a safety net, but you've got to jump off. And, you know, you were talking about this too before, like taking responsibility, like you've got to jump. We can't do that for you. You've got to jump. We can totally be there to support you along the way, help you um, as, as best to our abilities, give all the tools that you need, but it is going to take you jumping. Yeah, you. Every time you you speak, I have so many points to go off. Like honestly, relatable and and not just as a like as a coach, but as like someone that's been through the same stuff. It's restaurants are confronting for a lot of people, and that's why you need to invest in the long game because it's a process. But something you mentioned that I feel is really powerful is she came to you saying that she didn't want to try guys we don't know what we don't know and we are the coaches not the trainers and the dumbasses I'm sorry but the dumbasses like us actual coaches that give two shits we want to help you with all the tools in our toolbox but we're not going to throw them at you they're in our toolbox for a reason and we want to keep adding tools to our toolbox but if we have to give all of our energy to, there's two ways I want to take this, but if, if we have to give all of our energy to chasing you up all the time, trying to figure shit out because you're not explaining what's going on and you're not coming to us, being okay with failing, being okay with all this other stuff, it drains the shit out of us, but it doesn't leave enough for us to keep adding and adding and adding and doing our other things as well. But bringing up this toolbox, just because I thought of that, it's a really good point to bring up where, we actually care enough to try to get the most out of you, but it also takes from other areas of us. But this is why you need two to tango. 
But talking about the toolbox is we do everything we can to add to our toolbox because we freaking give more than two shits and we have a lot in our toolbox. But we don't know what tool to use if you're not going to be open with us. You need to tell us if a meal plan is going to work for you or not. If you need macros, if you need not macros, if you need to have some calorie cycling, because I'm against calorie hoarding, but calorie cycling used strategically is a good option as well. But it needs to be not only what you want, but what you're willing to do. And if you're actually willing to do it, you need to be willing to learn it and learn at all sides of it, not just be like, I'm going to have like a thousand calories a day, Monday to Friday, and then have like 2000 calories, 3000 calories a weekend. No, it doesn't work that way. You need to be willing to learn the ways to go about it. Like you need to tell us what is going on there. And I, I wanted to mention this before, but because it's another important point about the uni and the studying. I was studying a master's of, yeah, I was studying a master's of dietetics. I couldn't give that my full focus because I was trying to prep in 2016, I was focused on my body. I was starving myself pretty much during uni because I still didn't escape that. Like I didn't have an issue, but I did have an issue, but I didn't have an issue, but I didn't want to sit with it. So I escaped that. And I was always exhausted. I was always drained. I was always wanting to like, I repeated everything from high school because in high school, I didn't even want to stay in class because I just wanted to be home in my comfort zone. And too many people want to stay in that comfort zone and not just get uncomfortable. And they don't stop to realize how much it's affecting everyone else around them. And the reason I mentioned that's because it led to your, when you're on your deathbed, most people's response, who cares? Like internally, who cares? Who cares? I can't think that far ahead. Who cares? I'm living now. Yeah, well, you live every single day and your choices now impact that. And like when Amy was chasing that stage goal, she didn't, give two shits about what happened after she didn't even know what was going to happen after when I was chasing the junior records thanks to COVID I still have them all and my name's still over all of them <laughs> like all four of them I'm like yeah I still have all four like I sacrificed so much because I knew that I wasn't going to be a junior the next year but I still wanted to do it and then as soon as I got that I didn't know any difference so I kept chasing it so now what was it it was I wanted to become first at pro roll. I got second. Oh, cool. Now I want to get first. So then I wanted to chase first. And before I knew it, locked down again. And that was actually the week of the pro roll. So the pro roll was on the Friday. You probably know this. The pro roll was on the Friday and we got the lockdown on the Monday. That's when I was set to win. And that actually comes with cash. And it's like... That, like, that can ruin anyone if you're only attached to this outcome. But people are yeah. sitting on that. So maybe I really want you to talk a little bit more about that whole negative self-talk thing and what is it? Because my clients, if they're listening to this and because people listen to this, well, they already know what I ask for my check-ins. But what is it that you're focusing on when it comes to check-ins? What is it that you're focusing on when it comes to biofeedback and feedback? Yeah. So for my clients with check-ins, the main the main focus for me will be lifestyle KPIs because we know that that is just going to impact. It's going to impact everything. So health and results, whatever they might be. And then of course, how it's so, it's so interesting, but the perception of, of how that week went for that woman and why is really, really interesting to me because I think that that's when we can start to identify when we might be 
working with someone who is going to be super consistent when everything is going well, and then life is going to fall apart if, you know, the minor, the most minor thing is imperfect, right? So the the perception from the person of how their week went, and people might be listening to this and be a little bit confused, but again, when we're working with people who only see 100% as being worthy, as being even, maybe even worthy of a check-in, right? I know that in terms of the long game and making sure we're supporting the person uh, physically, mentally, all of those sorts of things, we need to accept that we're human. There are things going to come come up from time to time. And when I see resilience in a check-in, it makes me really happy because I know that, you know, I think I've done my job at least in terms of educating and providing a an environment to help them succeed, but I know they trust themselves. Like that is one of the most important things when I see resilience. So it's like I had an emergency or I had, this was unplanned or whatever, and there is no big panic. It's like, you know, this is what I did. This is what I didn't do. Do I care? Do I not care or whatever? This is what I'm going to do next week. Um, and a lot of the the replies that I've been getting actually in the last few weeks have said, this has happened and I'm really proud with the way I responded to it. And it's just like, this is fucking, this is the best because I know they're leaning into self-trust. They're not being um, swayed by all of the noise online, by what this person is doing, what what you know this ex person is doing or whatever they're leaning into themselves they're leaning into the education that they know they have because my coaching comes with education so once we have once we have the education once we understand the parameters we know what we can work within and still be making some kind of progress whether it looks like that week you know it could be maintenance maybe it's two steps back but again the mindset behind how we're seeing that week is going to be everything because like I said, when I get those really resilient check-ins, like this didn't go to plan, blah, 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 sweet. It's fine. I know what I'm going to do next week. And this is how, if that obstacle comes up again, I'm going to work around it. I know I'm truly empowering those women and they're, you know, they're doing this themselves too. They're taking full responsibility. So um, for me and the woman I coach and the results she wants, like I said, it's the definitely lifestyle KPIs, you know, sleep, stress, mood, all of those things are making sure they're where they need to be in terms of any results, especially with like strength, um, physique, whatever, they're going to be always very, very important. We need to make sure that they're all green. Um, but then of course, can I hear resilience? Can I hear resilience in the check and replies? Because just, just robot. Yes, yes, yes. Every week that's it's, you know, whatever. It doesn't tell me when she hits the fan, how are you going to respond? Yeah. And that tells me if I've done my job and they're leaning into their own self-trust and they've taken the time to, you know, lean into the education part as well this is important this like this is important three words like honestly so much you said resilience is one thing that I want to hone in on because can we rewind this what were we talking about before maintenance like maintenance I can't wait to actually okay so the name of the podcast that I thought of as we were talking is what I call maintenance which is momentum it's momentum for success because that's what happens in maintenance. That is what, that, that's what I coined it as. Ma- maintenance is progress. So why don't we just call it momentum? Because that's where momentum happens. It's momentum for success. And in that, you are succeeding. And that's where resilience is built. Because without resilience, you are never going to progress because every single time something happens, you're going to keep slipping backwards. And for me, two steps forward, one step back, I actually hate that term so much. Like, I hate it. But that step back does happen when you don't have resilience. If you build it and you grow through what you go through, 
It's not a step back. People need to stop saying it. I hate it. It's like the biggest thing. It's like, but it's not because progress isn't just physical. You may be physically stuck, stood still, or you may physically go backwards, whatever, who cares? But that's not the point. The point is whatever happens, there is still some form of moving forward. Is it emotionally? Is it socially? Is it mentally? There is still some forward movement if you built up that resilience and you're doing this the right way. So if you see it as a step back, the perfect woman, thinking of one of my perfectionists, the perfectionist woman will see that as failure, will see that as I'm not good enough, I'm slipping up, I can't do anything good today. What's the point? I'm injured. What's the point? This went wrong. What's the point? But you're still moving forward if you keep moving forward outside of the physical. You might be injured or outside of the physical. You might not be able to control your food today, but you can still move forward in other ways. And then that's the leading into the self-trust. Trust yourself that you can manage the situation, but also, above all, reach out to your coach. Like, regardless of whether you got a hold on it or not, we need to know because if you're falling off and we don't see you present there, like, we don't know. We can't, like, they expect us to see them through a computer screen half the time and then you check, check in with them, like, a week after and it's just like, where have you been the last week? Oh, I got sick, blah, 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 blah. I didn't know that. And I don't know that unless you tell me that. So like, I expect you to be doing what you need to do. And I don't know any different unless you tell me what you're doing different. I can't know what you're eating every single day unless it's shown on my screen. But we're not expecting anything from you. We only expect what you told us is going to happen. That's on you. Mm. We don't expect anything from you everything's at your pace so you need to stop wanting it all now and the last thing you said which I loved which I pointed at you for is the education part like yeah that's cool and all that you provide education cool that's cool and all that I provide education cool but most people (laughs) this is part of the podcast I was on I just loved it so much it's like education information coaching it means jack shit if you're coming into it with a mind of I'm just going to let you do your show and I'll just pick what I like out of that. Or I'll just, I'll just decide if I want to try it. If not, I'll just leave it. I'll just wait for the next interaction. You need to come it, come to it with a mindset of, I am your word, full responsibility. I am responsible for taking this information and however I enact this is going to, is going to impact my progress, is going to impact my lack of progress. So you need to take responsibility for what's available to you from your coach. And you said before, sway from the noise online. Sometimes, I don't know whether you've ever looked at, like you checked your clients' Instagram profiles, all that kind of stuff. I have a client who follows like three, 4,000 people on, like, on Instagram. I'm like, you have so much clutter in your Instagram. You probably don't even see my posts. Probably don't even watch my stories. I don't even know what you look at. Like, there's no way that that many people are going to show up on your feet. Like, it, if it is too much of a hassle to clear that out, maybe it's time you start a new Instagram and be okay with letting that go and just bring the best parts. Because to create a future that you want, you need to create space for it and you need to bring parts of the past that you lack. Like, with you, with your clients, you don't completely get rid of the past. Like, you bring those lessons with you, don't you? Yeah. It's- yeah, I... And, and I just wanted to um, touch again on 
the values piece because I think it's really, really important with you now you're saying you hate the two steps back and all that sort of stuff, right? It's like I've, I've said this to a few of my clients that our values and deciding like showing up with an integrity in ourselves, it creates an anchor from which we can make all of our decisions. So even if something's happening in you know the external world that we can't control and it might seem like the impact it has on us is setting us back or whatever, if we can say to ourselves, we, sh- we, we showed up in a way that is within integrity and makes us proud in a way, then no matter what happens around us, we can always hold our head high. And it's like, even when decisions that you're making that, you know, are totally in align, uh, in alignment with your values might produce outcomes that are uncomfortable because they're true to you. It is your anchor and you will always be able to sleep at night when you're making decisions that are in true alignment with what is um, authentic to you. And I think it's when we are either, you know, trying to get to this scale weight or whatever, these, these real outcome driven um things that we're trying to strive for when we don't get them if we haven't acted in a way that is within integrity that's when i think we can get really disappointed and we can throw our hands up because don't we want to show up every single day in a way that makes us proud and that's going to look really different every day because again we're humans and there's lots of external shit happening but if we if we know what they are if we know what that anchor is no matter the the you know inconveniences things that don't work out right if we've shown up in a way that we um, truly believe in and is authentic with us. I think that that can help um, put a lot of the, oh, but I've wasted time behind me. It's like get an injury, you know, do, do I throw my hands up in the air and sit in my bed and suck all day? Is that in alignment with my values? No, because I value resiliency. I value training, whatever that might look like. Even if I can't train with an arm, I'm still going to train because that's important to me. Yeah. So I think it's really, really important to do this work and ask ourselves like, in what way do I want to show up today? Even if today isn't perfect, even if all of my meetings get canceled and I get fired and all of this sort of stuff, like how do I want to show up? And if we do that, no matter what the external looks like, I think we'll find heaps more, heaps more satisfaction with life and with our results. There's a part in there that I actually think that you can dive a little bit more into just because it's too good is you mentioned I wasted time and this is something I come across with a lot of people, whether they sign up with me or not sign up with me. They feel like they wasted time already doing all these other things. They feel like they wasted time already. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's the point? Or they stay. Mm-hmm. Like I can think of one person in particular who I know will never actually sign up to something and actually make a difference because her, it's you said it as well. You don't want to be a victim of something, but she is so comfortable doing puffy, puffy training and thinking that she has a handle on her eating, but then still overeats and binge eats at night. And if you look at her, my fitness pal, because she decided to sign up to like a six week habits challenge that I created. And she'll probably listen to this as well, but honestly, it's, it's heartbreaking it because there's a lot of people like this, like it's a, it's a short thing. I'm going to sign up to that. It doesn't, it's not, it's not commitment because her thing, our first conversation was, I, it blows my mind that you know so much and you can help so many people and do so much. And I'm 50 and I, I know, all, I thought, I think I know all the things, but you just make it like the way she said it, but it's just like, yeah, well, the thing is I might be my age, 
knowing a lot more than you in this, but there's probably someone who's like 17 who's been studying, for example, studying computers his whole life. I know jack shit about computers. Like, what am I going to do? Try and fix it myself and stress myself out? That's why there are so many things that I haven't yet accomplished because I haven't invested in someone to help me do shit with technology. I freaking hate technology. Like, I, I tried... Now I just, whenever I go on TikTok, it's just to get an inspiration or just to like find something I like to put it on there to bring on to face to bring on to Instagram. But it's like, you can only give so much effort to a particular thing until it just becomes wasted time, wasted effort. But if you stay stuck in that mindset of, I, I already wasted my whole time, what's the whole point committing anymore? But you're still not comfortable. Like it, that whole wasted time element, I want you to, emphasize that part and really and hitting hard on that note because it's the it's the story of way too many people and I think that summarizes all of our podcast because I could have easily said I wasted all that time and never become who I am today same mm-hmm. with you yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and it's like you know I think we all have our own paths and we all have our own the, the journey that we need to go through to in order to to grow and make progress over time um, depending on where you're at, getting coaching help or support can absolutely collapse that time. And I think for some people that it can be really scary because it's coming out of the familiar, it's coming out of our comfort zone. And I think that sometimes we don't want to admit that where we are is our comfort zone, even though it feels like hell. Yeah. Um, I actually read a really cool book uh, maybe last year called Existential Kink. <laughs> and it's not for the faint-hearted, but it's basically saying there is we're finding ourselves repeating a situation over and over again, we're probably getting something out of it as much as this can be really awful to hear and really hard to hear. But this is where I think that if you have had enough, if you've truly had enough and if the you know results you're getting or whatever are truly frustrating you that much, it is really important to ask yourself, like, are you just doing the same thing over and over again? It's like dating the same, what do they say? Have you, have you just dated the same partner with a different face? If you find yourself in toxic relationships, it's like the same thing. Like, yeah, it's like doing something that I've been harping on about as well a lot, but it's deep. And that is all. That's why I said, just because of this note, I want you to drive, because this is like, this is seriously so important. Like if you're not stopping to actually figure shit out and pause, what, what, why do I keep doing this? Both me, which is why I was able to talk to my client the way I did. She kept going back into the same relationship she broke up and went back with the same person like four times and then she found someone else and did the same thing four times there she'll make progress with me and then she'd become a ghost make progress with me then become a ghost I'm like what the fuck is going on but she didn't like you could see that she was back with the guy because of the photos on social media I'm like but it's like you need to figure out what it is that's keeping you stuck in this thing like what's the trigger because wasted time is only wasted if you're not going to use that time to become better. But that comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it's. I think it's absolutely that comfort zone. And this is where you know we can't do everything as coaches. It's it's definitely up to each person to take responsibility and to say you know enough is enough. Because maybe enough is not enough, and maybe we like complaining. I don't know. Maybe we like to be um, in in that place and. I think that that's where it's like, yeah, you know, a coach is, I think, really useful when the person is is ready to come to the party. 
Um, and then, you know, we can equip them with all of our tools and education um, and provide a supportive environment. But uh, there will be different things in our lives where we look back and we go, you know what, like that was definitely me, you know, choosing to stay stuck in that cycle. I love that. I just renamed the thing now. And I think that sums it up perfectly. Is enough enough? Are you subconsciously comfortable in your stuck zone? Maintenance yeah. is momentum for success, guys. And if you're stuck, I think the first thing to do is to pause and to ask yourself, what's the feelings right now? Why? And what have I been chasing for so long to get me to where I am now? Why do I keep pushing the same buttons if they're clearly not working? And the biggest question of all is what's the cost of inaction? Because weighing up the cost of action is keeping you stuck because that's all you're looking at. But the cost of inaction and stop putting money to just the cost, it is a whole lot more, just like it is a whole lot more than the scale. So zoom out. And I'm going to find your quote again to end this whole thing on. Stop feeding the shit storm that you're wishing you're not in and relate that to everything in life. Relationships, physical, social, mental, you're feeding it by starving it, but you're feeding it by avoiding the situation. You're feeding it by my whole analogy of the drive energy. You're feeding it by driving, 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 not pausing to reflect, not being okay with getting uncomfortable. So get that in your head. And Amy summed this up really nicely. So I'm not going to add anything more to me harping on about that last part because honestly the best thing you can do is make a change before it's too late because we both mm-hmm. have a well. so I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna leave Amy's Instagram bio below and I don't think there's anything else you want to add to that well done and dusted I love it <laughs> so if like honestly find a coach like Amy like myself Find someone to guide you, get rid of the noise and focus on becoming your best self through feelings, not through numbers and external outcomes. So with that, thank you for listening to this podcast. If you liked it, let me know if there's anything else you want to hear more about and I will speak to you, speak at you on the next episode.